Welcome to Happy Times and Places, in which I, Toby Haydock, try to accentuate the positive when watching a Doctor Who story and see if I can guess what my special guest's favourite things about this week's episode are. Hello, I'm Ian McLachlan, and I was delighted when I found the Dalek Master Plan was still available to talk about. Well, welcome everybody. It's time for a bit of a counterplot, which is, uh, I don't know if that's the scriptwriter talking to the script editor. Um, I, I actually have a, well, we'll talk about this during the action. Um, but we are with pictures once again, with moving pictures once again. Uh, I am on the Doctor Who Lost in Time box set for episode five of the Daleks Master Plan, counterplot. And I'm going to press uh, select play whatever in three two one and here we go well uh, it's nice to be here i'm actually currently in isolation um because uh, my son came to visit me the other day and then the next day said oh i've just tested positive i haven't tested positive but nonetheless, as a precaution, I'm staying away from my other half. We're, we're like there was a sitcom, a terrible sitcom when I was younger called Divided We Stand, with uh, was it Anna Keevney and Sean Curry living in a house where there was a line down the centre of it. Um, we're yeah, we're just doing that for safety. But uh, I, I think I'm fine. But I do have some mice who, uh, if they they perish first, it will prove that that's a reference to something that goes on here. So. Um, I remember being shocked when I saw this for the first time, which which I saw in terrible quality. This still isn't the best quality. It's not one of the best quality episodes. Um, the fact that you, you don't see Brett Vian uh, or Brett Walton, is, he is in Terry Nation's draft script for this, which I've had a look at some of the scripts uh, since embarking on this quest to foil the Daleks' master plan. Uh, and... Uh, the difference between Terry Nation's rehearsal scripts, which I think are called something like 12-part Dalek segment. He hasn't even given them a story. And this episode is called The Something Just Behind You. It's not called Counterplot. Um, uh, but Borkar is called Barker. Uh, Daxdar is called Dexter. Brett is Brett Walton. I think I mentioned that before. He's still got double T's, I think, in the, in the final scripts. There are the mice. I suppose they're probably dead now. Otherwise, I'd have tried to interview them. Um, <laughs> uh, I've, I wonder where the mice came from and what became of them. There's, there's three of them. Uh, they were probably among the first casualties of Doctor. What? Oh, stop it. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm immersed in Doctor Who in memoriam because uh, I've released my annual list of remembrance of uh, all people from Doctor Who who've died. In the past year. So here we have Froin and Rimnall, who I think are called Frain and Bosworth or something in uh, in Terry Nation's script. I like the names Froin and Rimnall. Uh, Froin particularly is a nice sort of spacey kind of name. Um, uh, this is Bill Mylan, who I think has the unique distinction of being the only person to have been in Doctor Who, this, and the revived version of Battlestar Galactica because uh, he spent much of his working life in Canada. Was he Canadian? I think he might have been. Um, 
but worked in the UK for a bit here, obviously, Dalek's Master Plan time. But most of his credits are in Canada, and he's a he's a priest, I think, in an episode of Battlestar Galactic. I think he was also a drama teacher. I saw him in a in a thing. Uh, a drama teacher um, showed us a, a very clever film. John Cam, by the way, is the name of the bald-headed Technics extra, because he's the only uh, non-credited actor this week. Uh, and I will get on to non-credited actors from episode three. I found out I've I've been doing a little bit of homework about the Daleks' uh, master plan. Just because I I suspect on some of the episodes where we just have pictures and let's face it, not an awful lot happens. I'm going to need things to say. Um, so if if you've been listening to episodes three and four and I've thrown up a few anomalies or not mentioned some things, I'm not going to mention them this week because I've got moving pictures. So I've got uh, many things to stimulate uh, conversation. Um, but uh, but but stay tuned for that. Because I I think I've well I know I have I found I've I've I will talk about something that we that hasn't really been talked about in the sort of arcane circles I hang around in I fired off an email uh, yesterday to Jack Rayner about the delegates and she sent back in big type oh my god um, and it's just something that was hiding in plain sight so Bill Mylan was in, it was in a film with Sarah Miles and um, Nicole Williamson in which a love story was told, a story of betrayal. Um, but the, it was filmed in, in in the sort of style of Swedish cinema, in the style of English cinema. And a, so it was the same little vignette with the same three actors, but done in many different sort of filmic and acted styles. Uh, and uh, a drama teacher of mine at school showed us that. And I, I knew Nicol Williamson and Sarah Miles were, of course, and I was very impressed that the third member was was Bill Mylan, who'd been in a, been in a Doctor Who um, and James Hall here, who is Borkar, which is a much better name than Barker for a future space agent. And that's how Lazy Terranation is, actually, because in in his description of Borkar in this episode, in the script, he goes, oh, yeah, by the way, I omitted him from last week's cast list. Sorry. Uh, it, it really the Terry Nation rehearsal scripts really do give the impression that they're that they're sort of tossed off uh, this stuff is uh great so because we, we need to sort of try and get an impression of what the 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 katarina floating through space stuff was like that was a bit more sort of closey uppy wasn't it and it was trampolines and it was a, a bit of picture distortion of uh of sarah and uh stephen there Oh, a bit of acting there from uh, from John Cam, the background uh, extra. He did a little bit of. I'm about to say something, and I'll step forward. Yeah, he'll have been pleased when he got that. I've I've had to carry spears, and it's always nice when the director says, "Oh, you just do a bit there." You go, oh, great. Now this is John Harrington, who looks old even here. Um, he was an extra in, well. Support player in Quasimass in the Pit. He's the coffee stall owner when uh, Sladden uh, comes to the coffee stall and the stuff gets thrown away. But um, John Harrington, I think, was called Johannes something or other. I think he was German, um, uh, and he's the German doctor in Colditz. He didn't really, he didn't always play German parts on British TV as well. Though uh, 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 he, he anglicised himself, uh, including his name, John Harrington, um, and he's he's Jim Holden in Colony in Space. Uh, he's a lovely actor. He has a, a, a slightly sort of throaty voice, and, uh, and 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 perhaps that slightly over English diction of of people uh, who've who've you know who've had to learn the accent. Uh, but he's a nice actor with a with a, 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 a lovely sort of furrowed eyebrow, uh, furrow, furrowed forehead, and uh, and uh, a, and a nice quality to him. Um, long dead, I think. Um, 
so it's it's beautiful seeing uh, these scenes. I remember when uh, I, I clicked to these episodes, as I say, I, I had not very good uh, quality copies. And I remember thinking, um, you know, people like Freud and Rimnall, they're actually just one episode characters, but we're introduced to them sort of on the go. And, and they both get, you know, nice sort of bits to do. But but uh, if, if when, and, and so when you're watching the episode in isolation, you sort of go, oh, well, these guys must be, you know, space scientist guys we've met before. Nope. They're here for this episode and this episode only. That's a lovely close-up of Morris Browning as uh, as Carlton there. He's uh, he's he's really good. Um, and, and and you know this 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 whole dynamic sort of completely works. You know the 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 the, the, the scientists you know can tell tell Borkar to get out, not interrupt their work, but then they're a bit have to be a bit. Um, subservient to Carlton, who's obviously a big cheese, and I like the sort of um, futuristic arm folding that Bill Myland does there. Whether that's you know how people fold their arms in the future, or whether it's a way of you know standing with a bit of formality to the to the you know bald boss guy, uh, uh, the chief of the baldies, as uh, as Carlton is. Some lovely film work here. I love a bit of a, a bubbling swamp with a bit of dry ice. Uh, we we like a bit of that. Um, and these are those beautiful otherworldly sounds that uh, that uh, um, uh, you know that, that that are very symptomatic of 1960s Doctor Who. Where uh, I talked before in this commentary, haven't I, about the sort of alien environments? Uh, it's much better watching this in good quality because um, you can actually see the mice and their little wheel, which I love, and that's very Doctor Who. Um, you know, I know scientists use mice in experiments, but but a couple of mice on an alien planet with a little wheel is lovely. This this screen grab, as we'd call it now, I remember that they did a, a nostalgia uh, was was when they were trying to mix up the Doctor Who archives in Doctor Who magazine. They had a short-lived thing called Nostalgia, uh, and they had this Carlton and Chen, and I'd never heard of Carlton. I didn't know who he was. I thought he must be terribly important, but uh, of course, no, it's because we only had these two episodes that there were moving images of. Um Uh, and he's getting a really firm slice of the action. Uh, I, I'm really sad that uh, Carlton did not do, 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 does not uh, continue beyond this episode, and he almost ends on a cliffhanger, doesn't he? Because uh, you know he doesn't. Chen say to him, "You will, you know, you know, you will end up very high up, and with a very high position." And he goes, "The highest." next to you you think oh is he planning something well if he is we we never see it uh, his plan is foiled off screen or maybe he becomes uh, the the chief oh look at uh, kevin stoney scratching his beard thoughtfully with his little finger in a way that guardians evil guardians of the solar system do it's just great keeping it interesting keeping it. And, and 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 again this is because you you can't cut as much. Uh, you 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 can't tighten the action in the way that you can with television now. So the the continuity of performance has to come from the actors, and the little little bits in between lines and drama have to come from from the actors keeping it interesting. And this is a, a showcase moment. I love this bit. You've got the lovely sound effect accompanying it, but you've got the uh, 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 Douglas Camfield gives gives uh, Kevin Stoney his space. You know, this is a big speech on stage. Uh, 
and he gets sort of exultant about himself. Um, and he, he's still in control, but he's just realised he's just got a little carried away. And then the veneer of respectability, the smiling, disarming uh, thing returns. That's very clever, though, because Chen has almost himself gone, I, I, I think I'm enjoying this too much. I've just got to maintain my calm. Yeah, the highest next to you. And, and, and Camfield obviously likes uh, Morris Browning's brilliant sort of golem face, uh, golem face, because he, uh, he does lots of close-ups on it. And he's got a wonderful voice as well, though. But that's it. Is that, I think that's the last we see of him, isn't it? Um, that's a wonderful speech from Stoney, a wonderful moment for, for, for Marvik Chen. Uh and here we are on. So this is great because we've gone from, you know, we, 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 we've gone from uh, look at all you can see the smoke in the background and the bubbling. Uh, this is, you know, very Terry Nation, isn't it? Where it's a bit bit back to the Daleks where, you know, there are swamps and, and all sorts of creatures and tendrils and things that can kill you. And this, you know, this is you know, this is a hostile environment We're we're this is a story about going from out of the frying pan and into the fire. Uh, good old adventuring stuff. Um but of course, and, and of course, Terry Nation goes, well, OK, what do we go on this planet? Oh, uh, we'll have the planet of the invisible people because we, we haven't done that. Um, and that's why it's called There's Something Just Behind You, because we 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 can't see. And there is a picture, isn't there, of uh, of, of a bloke in a sack. I think the extra is called Francis Willie, um, uh, uh, who, um, uh, you know, giving shape to what the visions look like when... Uh, they get uh, exterminated, but I, I don't think we see that in this episode. That's another of those things we must imagine. But it's uh, it's an example of those sort of things where we're so near and yet so far. We've got a we've got an idea that they tried something, but we don't. And we can we even have a picture of it. Surprisingly, have a picture, and yet we don't still don't quite know how that worked. But I love all that good some good acting there from uh, from uh, Jean Marsh of of the you know the the invisible monster is is picking her hand up. I like that. That's uh, you know, this is all great sort of kids' adventure stuff. Um, and Stephen's... Uh, uh, the mice are getting a lot of screen time. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if they're, if Mummy and Daddy Mouse paid Douglas Canfield said, you get our kids in the picture. They go, I'm going to make you a superstar, super mice. Um, so, yes, and of course we have these episodes because they, what, they turned up in an old church. Well, I've never quite got to the bottom of... Um, why we have two episodes of the Daleks master plan. Um, I mean, I, I believe it was an old, it was an old BBC building, wasn't it? That's why it was there. It was not as odd as um, they just happened to have found themselves in this, in this building for absolutely no reason. Um, but why only these two episodes? What happened to the other episodes? Why are there episodes of this, uh, of all stories, when this one wasn't particularly sold abroad, or it wasn't sold abroad? Um, so I love the, this. This is a lovely film sequence of uh, of the Vizian uh, feet. This is really good. This is really. It's, it's, I mean, it's pretty straightforward sci-fi fare that you would expect, I guess. But um, the, you know, we have to see these things as quite sort of common tropes or occurrences because they became so because people decided to do them. But you know, this is this is nearly 60 years ago so this is when people were doing doing this sort of thing um uh, uh, if not for the first time 
but you know it's 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 i i i i think it's a it's a nice headline planet of the invisible people and it enables them to do a few tricks uh, that would impress the people at home and and get the get the kids interested and excited uh, this is all good. I don't know why I was quite down on this when I first saw it. Oh, it was because it was—I mean, it was partially because it was a terrible quality, and partly I think because with episodes of the Daleks' Master Plan, I was hoping to see delegates. Um, uh, I don't know. I remember, and I, as I say, I, I, I had a real downer on Master Plan for a, a long time. That it, it, it hadn't been what I'd expected it to be in, in the, with the two episodes that I saw. Uh, and so I, I, you know, I decided to go well. And therefore, it's one of the like, the like most overrated stories. So it's, I mean, it's like one of the worst Hartnells. Um, it's it's not at all. It's 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 great. Um, although I am, dear listener, going to let you into a little secret. Uh, I am slightly worried about episodes seven to ten because um, <laughs> I remember. Um, Sorry, my big toe is pointing at poking out of my sock. Ow. Um, that's a shame. I was just thinking this morning how these socks have lasted. Um, you don't need to know about my socks. Uh, but you don't need to know about any of this, actually, I don't think. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, don't start. But people are here because they want to be. Nobody's a prisoner, are you? Unless there's some sort of party where people are playing some sort of cruel drinking game, taking the uh, mickey out of me. Well, that's your fault. You're the ones having a terrible party. Uh, take a drink every time he says interesting or drops a boring fact about an actor. Uh, beautiful shot from Camfield here. Again, his, uh, uh, his his positioning of the characters and his great use of Hartnell's, not only his face, but Hartnell's sort of close-up hand acting where Hartnell, I know, told, uh, or, or, or per- Peter Purvis, I said Hartnell told him or he observed Hartnell about how Hartnell does lots of, he, he uses his hands by his lapels and his collar and his face quite a lot because that's you know that's how the small screen um benefits from you know from from um you, you know using certain little actors actors tricks always like a different dalek appendage this is uh, uh oh but uh, so, so one's got a sucker but one's got that sort of meter thing so they've just killed the mice that's really horrible. The mice have just been exterminated. I feel, I feel horrible now about that. I mean, it's pretty. I mean, I have to say, you know, I'm not not wild about mice being experimented upon, but I'm I'm a pragmatist. I'm aware that, um, uh, you know, um, sometimes, uh, you know, scientists have to do things that uh, people like me might bulk at for the for the you know the greater good, but. Uh, uh, I, feel, I think it's a bit sad that the mice survived the time travel experiment, then just got killed by the Daleks just f- for being there. I think that's re- really horrible. I've been more, I'm actually slightly more affected by the death of the mice than I thought I would be. Um, and I and I don't think that's a mistake. We got, you know, we did we did see the mice quite a lot, which in in this sort of quality is 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 much better. Oh no, Carlton's back. Carl, that wasn't Carlton's last line, but this is his last episode, I'm sure. Um, oh, and, and oh, and 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 Riminal calls. He's, he's sort of says they're my mice, doesn't he? He's quite sweet about his mice. Um, they're, and they're definitely both wearing wigs, aren't they? Uh, Mylin and Harrington. Oh dear. 
perhaps we should send some more mice. He's very sweet, isn't he? He's like a sort of elderly eccentric. Uh, but again, it's you know, it's a, it's a small little character, but but he's played by a, a, a you know a lovely character actor with an endearing quality about him, and it just means that you know, exposition Jim actually becomes. Uh, rather cheery you know rather cheery rather rather quaint scientist rimnal and i think that's uh, that's really nice that's why i like these sorts of programs the lighting here is nice it's uh, it would be nice and dark in the jungle it's a good set and uh, and and the light sort of on the top of hartnell's head and oh yes and he's he's going to have a little bit of a scrap with a with a with a with a vision isn't he uh He's like he's a game old fella, isn't he? Um, but and and by the way, um, keep an eye out or an ear out for how how his role in this story is gradually reduced. Uh, I mean, we're getting an embarrassment of riches in terms of Hartnell this episode. Come episode ten, oh, we will notice a pattern that Hartnell appears in this uh, less and less. Um, I have to say, I, I'm looking at the the the, the scripts, the um, the death of Brett. Um, was I think slightly better in Nations version than than here, and they, they, I mention it now because we're of course going to have this big payoff that uh, Brett Vian was my brother, which is a bit sort of anyone that accuses RTD of being soapy uh, is that this is a, 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 a and you know if you look back on it now you go well they didn't say he wasn't her brother and 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 they do sort of. Fudge it so that when you look back, you go, "Oh no, okay, it's fair enough." There's there's nothing there that contradicts this, although you know they have to go around the houses a little bit. Um, uh, whereas in in Nations script, it's it's a bit more. There's obviously a connection between them, uh, and and he's he's uh, I think he's a bit he's he's a bit slower. And then she shoots him, and he doesn't die straight away. He, he, and it's a bit like it's actually a bit like the ending of. Of, of Blake 7 listen away if you haven't heard the ending of Blake 7 I can't believe I'm giving a spoiler alert for something that finished 40 years ago but uh, you wouldn't believe how often you get into trouble for such things um, but he does a kind of you know she both of them have misunderstood who the traitor is and it turns out neither of them are uh, and so she shoots him I mean it, and in the script it is not unlike uh, the end of Blake 7 and I think from if if they'd done that version, that that revelation of Brett Vian being Sarah's brother uh, would be a bit less uh, sort of out of the blue than I think it is here, where you know she just sort of rather coldly guns him down, and then later goes, yeah, yeah, but he's my brother, and you go, oh, really? Um, did, could, could they not have had a maybe some kind of chat? Um, I know they do. I know there is a, a, a there is a moment between them before. Before she kills him, but I've my my feeling is it's slightly better in the in the in the, in the nation script. O- oddly, because the nation scripts are generally much more cursory, and uh, and Donald Tosh's additions I think really really benefit and certainly flesh out the characters. Uh, just a bit of a mention there for Kevin Stoney's excellent and continued pencil acting <laughs> and. Little finger acting, he's got it all, and I and I'm not mocking any of this. I love Kevin Stone's performance. Um, I think it's beautiful. Um, oh, and he does yes, and he does that bit where the, his eyes go skyward, which is a bit weird, but I love it. Um, 
Did I mention the bit where he calls Zephon a man and and adds a little uh, questioning in uh, upper reflection at the end of it as if to go, but you're not really a man, you're a seaweed head. <laughs> so yeah, so the, the, we've got the zapping here, but but it's just a negative effect. And I think next week when they zap the Visians, the, 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 the bag thing is going on. Um, but it's beautifully directed this, wonderfully acted, plenty going on. And you know that's a small set, um, uh, but I, I I think he's made that work, you know. And that's a great cliffhanger. And that's the Coroners of the Sun uh, is the next episode. I don't know what that means. Um, yeah, James Hall, Jimmy Hall. He was in uh, he was in the Reign of Terror, um, uh, who played uh, uh, Borkar, which is a better name than Barker. Um, so there we go. So that is uh the end of episode five and what did i special photographic transparencies by george pollock that's an excellent credit um okay so um uh i've got to choose a favorite thing and i've got to line up um i've got to line up ian mclaughlin uh, mclaughlin ian mclaughlin as well to tell me what his favorite thing about episode uh four is um but um i've got to choose my favorite thing so my favorite thing is it the mice the mice gonna be my favorite thing um is it gonna be carlton i like a bit of I like a bit of Carlton. He is rather a good character and we never we never see him again. Um oh and I was going to I wanted to tell you something about Morris Browning, didn't I? Um uh, what was I going to tell you about Morris Browning? Uh uh is that he was he was somebody's secretary, wasn't he? He was yeah, he he uh, he, he suffered from polio uh and he he was uh he was that's right he was the secretary uh of hattie jakes uh <laughs> so there's a lovely little fact for you morris browning carlton was the secretary of hattie jakes uh, and he'd, he'd he'd suffered a stroke he'd been a wheelchair user he'd suffered from polio um uh, 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 but he was also an M a compare at the Players Theatre. So he's a bit of a... I, I think there are probably stories to be told about Morris Browning, but sadly, most of the people capable of telling them are, are now no longer with us. But he sounds like he had a rich and interesting life, and one clearly not without its challenges, and yet still manages to evoke smouldering, slightly camp cool of a kind that I like in my Doctor Who villains. So, mwah, I think you'd have been uh, a... I think you'd have been good company, Morris Browning. I'd have loved to have shared a port with you in a gentleman's club. But sadly, did he... Oh, he probably died before I was born. No, he died in 1983, so uh, that would have been kidnapping on his part because I'd have been uh, nine. Um, so <laughs> it wasn't to be, but I hope you're having uh, a, a lovely port and lemon or a punta mess or something in in, uh, in that great... Uh, great uh, uh, green room in the sky um i think my favorite thing is gonna be i do like that speech of chen i do like the way that it's filmed 
and you know Camfield gives him his moment and then that brilliant bit of acting that he does where he he recomposes himself and he's starting to lose it because we know he goes a bit mad at the end he's starting to lose his composure which for a character who's whose great brilliance throughout the story is that the Daleks are screeching around him and he's being quite cool and that's very very useful dramatically um but it but it means that that journey that he takes does it's a journey and it doesn't come out of the blue and it's not that he just goes a bit mad at the end because well we need to get rid of him um ah oh, I love Kevin Stoney um yeah I'm think I've got to choose that because um even though I love yeah I love Freud and Rinmal and the mice uh, and the, the planet's lovely, all the sound effects, the invisible. There's lots going on there. Why was I so down on it? I think it's because I, I expected it to look like a, you know, comic strip, you know. Um, uh, this is why it's worth coming back to these things and reassessing them and enjoying them for what they are. Because what they are is still much better than they could have been. And if you watch a lot of other 60s TV shows, some of which had much higher budgets than Doctor Who, um, and look at how they struggle just to have scenes of three people talking in a room. Uh, you you will marvel at uh, the things pulled off by these wonderful directors and creatives uh, working on this silly kids show that they didn't think anybody would watch again. <laughs> uh, love it. So Chen's speech for me... Uh, what does Ian say about episode five, Counterplot? Then Counterplot. Uh, we're very lucky what we have Counterplot. is one of the three surviving episodes. And there's a lot of interesting uh, scenes in that. The Daleks uh, uh, going to the, um, the piece of equipment with the mice is very interesting. But I think that the sequence where they land and transported to Myra, the Doctor has been transported to another planet. He's not got the TARDIS. He's transported there. Will he ever get back? And the scene where he is really in pain as he's been transported is very, very 60s in a, in a way. So I would nominate that scene um, and film. It was on film, not videotape, as my favourite scene from Counterplot. Now I was I think I was talking a bit a bit through that because I I was only really concentrating when uh, when Sarah and Stephen were doing but yes but you've got the doctor sort of pulling that sort of rictus uh, agony uh, and it, and it's sort of treated isn't it and there's a bit of stuff going on and that's that's you know that's all that's all very impressive stuff that we take for granted now but those special effects sequences had to be you know specially mounted and rendered and then played in because they were too complex to do in the studio and you know they were real sort of money shot moments for the for the 60s audience although seamlessly blended into the action um, and yes, I agree with Ian about that, 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 that idea of being cut off from the TARDIS. Doctor leaves the TARDIS all the time now and you sort of know that the Doctor and co will come back to the TARDIS. Then it was, again, it was a bit like, and Nation's good at that, with the, does it with the time ring as well, doesn't he, in Genesis, where, where the idea that you're cut off. And, and so the adventure isn't just the adventure that you're happening. It's the fact that you might be stuck wherever it is you are. Getting to and fro 
isn't straightforward. It's actually part of the jeopardy. Whereas we, I think we're quite blasé about, you know, we go, we go to places and, then, and, and that's sort of when the adventure starts. And with, with Nation, for all this sort of comic strip simplicity in, in many ways, is that, oh no, even getting there and getting off there is, there's, there's drama in that, guys. Um, and that's, that's very, very true. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, it's, it's so much harder to do this when it's just um, pictures, which I'm going to have to do for episode six. So thank you uh, for hanging on to and keeping episode five. Um, o ye guardians of the TV legends, culture, etc. It so saddens me that, uh, you know, I know we live in hope of episodes coming back and I'm sure a few will still come back. But the fact is some of these episodes that we can't be, although we live in hope of all of them, uh, that, that we can't see. We live in hope in all of them. Uh, or, you know, we know they're not all going to come back, but each one of them, maybe not episode seven of Dalek's Master Plan. We'll talk about that when we get to episode seven. Um, but, you know, there's a chance. Uh, as The fact that Counterplot exists, which was not shown in any other foreign country, means that there's a chance that pretty much everything, including next week's episode, could come back. But the fact is they're not all going to come back. So even though we've got hope for every single one of them, there are some of these things we will never, ever see. And um, I have to say that makes me really upset because <laughs> I love Doctor Who and I'd like to be able to see it all. Oh, dear. Anyway, I'm glad we can see that one. The glass is half full uh, because we can uh, we can see the counterplot. Uh, we will not see uh, the Coronas of the Sun, uh, but we will maybe find out what they are when we tune in again to the Daleks Master Plan. And I will talk about some of the things I've uncovered in the... Uh, well, I haven't uncovered them. I've just seen for the first time because I've, I've, I've been looking at the rehearsal scripts and the draft scripts, um, which, are, which are really interesting um, uh, and often quite alarming. Uh, and, and it means that I will take back some of what I said about Donald Tosh, who is, is quite a, an unreliable narrator, in terms of some of his claims about particularly, um, you know, t well, well, but but I had some sympathy with him when I saw Terry Nation's rehearsal scripts. Um, but anyway, that's all for next time. Thanks for watching Counterplot with me. If you did, we can't watch Coroners of the Sun, but I will talk through it and you can uh, do it however you do it. Um, so from isolation with me and my mice and Bernard the dog who's curled up, uh, in front of the screen. I might take a photograph of him. Um, thank you very much. Uh, and let's see if the Daleks have finally defeated Doctor Who next time. But until then, bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest is Ian K. McLachlan. And these podcasts would be impossible without the support of patrons who include Mark Aldridge, Kit Allen, Sebastian April, Tilt Ariser, Simon Ash, Richard Alt, Stephen Bamford, Lungbaramus Banks, Richard Bignall, James Blackett, Robin Bland, Kyle Bores, David Brody, Nigel Bromley, Hugh Buchtman, Anthony Carroll, Anthony Carroll, Phil Chapman, Ralph Chilton, Susan Christian, Steve Churchill, Mark Clues, Graham Cluley, Charles Coppin, Simon Coling, Paul Cornaghi, Martin Cook, 
Matt Corner, Paul Cornell, Leslie Coots, Peter Crocker, Philip Craggs, Lee Kremin, Dave Curran, Paul Philip Dahlgren, Matt Dale and Rob Dawson. The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. You want to be on that list of names, not the artwork and music one, uh, but uh, the list of patrons. Well, you can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where from as little as £3 a month, you can get bonus material, advanced releases, exclusive stuff, and all sorts of other sort of access and chit-chat. Uh, that £3 a month, and indeed any of the tiers, most stuff is available on all tiers, to be honest. There's a few little carrots to uh, to take you up the incremental ladder, but it's, it's basically it's all there at the beginning. Um, but even that lowest tier of £3 gets a 10% discount if you sign up for a year in one go. Uh, so that's patreon.com forward slash Toby Or if you just want to do the odd payment every now and again when you feel so inclined or can, uh, you can go to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby and then you're not tied to anything. And uh, do you know what costs absolutely nothing, though? Because I know that times are tough and we also don't pay for this sort of stuff these days. And that's fair enough. I know the way the cookie crumbles. However, I would like, if possible, um, some crumbled cookies in the... Oh, I can't do this. Well, I've, I've, I've embarked upon a metaphor that I'm not going to see through. Just give me good ratings and reviews on iTunes. Thank you. <laughs> Whew, I had to finish that because I saw the musical sting coming up and I've decided to try and do this sort of as live uh, in one go. Um, as, so as well as going to iTunes where you can give these things five-star reviews, that really helps to uh, separate these from the crowd. And it's a very crowded market, the Doctor Who podcast market. So uh, if you could uh, go out there and uh, do that, that just helps. Um but also, if you do like this stuff and the stuff that I do, you can go to my website, tobyhadock.com, and also come to my comedy night at Excess Malarkey in Manchester, which is 8pm every Tuesday, uh, and we also do an online version at 8pm on the first Sunday of every month at twitch.tv forward slash Malarkey, and that's me and four comedians from around the world doing amusing stuff and usually not mentioning Doc 2. Well, they don't. I... I always seem to. And this is the post-credits bit, um, for which I have absolutely <laughs> no inspiration because I've just started to come back to work after Christmas and, to be honest, um, I've not got into any good habits uh, I'm still trying to get out of some bad ones and I'm rather weighed down by all the chocolate that's just there and has to be eaten because obviously when I'm trying to do a health kick later in the year I don't want lots of chocolate tempting me so what I have to do is eat it all now. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm feeling rather barrel-chested, frankly. Um, but they were good chocolates. Anyway, um, I was going to say, and Happy New Year, but none of you will be listening to this at the appropriate time because this... This is a pre-record. It isn't live. Who knows what I'm doing now? Well, you're listening to this. I, God, I could be. I could be on a beach somewhere. I won't be. I won't be. I'll be um, looking at that list of things I meant to do in January and still haven't done. No matter when you're listening to this. So anyway, um, hope you well and haven't eaten too much chocolate.